0: He's amused Cam Newton. <laughs> he's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know
1: now, what you have schedule this game?
0: He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go Tarion. Yeah. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. See, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. You
2: are on a Tuesday drive. WSJS News Talk Sports for the Triad. Where now that the dust seems to have settled on who's leaving Chapel Hill, six transfers, which of course included Caleb Love yesterday, it's now time for Hubert Davis to move North Carolina basketball into the future. And that doesn't simply mean finding guys in the portal. He's going to be able to do that. In fact, he added a player yesterday from Brown University. No, Hubert needs to make sure his program is up with the times. And that means making sure you have a handle on name, image, and likeness. Which, for as clearly as NIL has touched every aspect of roster building in 2023, it was also clear that this was a problem area for Carolina last season. Now, NIL has to become a priority for Carolina. Just listen to the former players, the Carolina family members, Antoine Jameson, and Vince Carter, saying that NIL clearly was a distraction for the Heels. It led to some of the contentment. They said that if NIL existed before their final season together in Chapel Hill, they probably would not have gotten to the Final Four back in the 90s. James Michael McAdoo's making jokes About NIL. And former players that I've talked to said that this is something that is different and it doesn't mean it's a good thing. Hubert Davis, throughout last season, how many times was he referencing agents in press conferences? He did it before the start of the season. When Hubert is doing a press conference, he's not just talking to the reporters in the room, he's not just talking to Josh Graham. No. He's also talking to his players, and he's talking to parents, and he's talking to agents, which he made sure to make clear multiple times last year. Talking about those who were worried about NIL deals, which is completely new in college basketball. Elsewhere in the ACC, though, Duke and Miami have figured it out. And is it a coincidence that those were the two best teams in the ACC last year? The two teams that... Figured out NIL better than anybody else? Probably not. The Canes obviously set the template, drew a ton of criticism, namely from a basketball coach at Syracuse, who's no longer at Syracuse. You can put the math together. You can do the math on that. They got to the Final Four. They're going to be playing UConn on Saturday, which you can listen to right here on WSJS. Shameless plug. But do you know how I know Duke handled NIL incredibly well? Did you ever hear one story about what these five-star players were receiving in NIL from Duke? Did you ever hear one story about it? Any drama whatsoever. Did you hear John Shire talking about NIL in a negative light or agents in a negative light? No. And why is that? Duke prepared for it. With the position that I suspect you're going to see a lot of college programs pick up this summer, they were forward thinking. They hired a general manager whose one responsibility is dealing with NIL, dealing with it with high schoolers, dealing with it with transfers, dealing with it with current players on the roster. So that way, John Shire doesn't have to think about it at all. Hubert Davis needs to make this a priority. Carolina's season is going to be dependent on it because it's dependent on the portal, and these two things are linked. You've had six players under the portal. There are five openings on Carolina's roster right now. The player that they got back yesterday, Paxton Wojcik, he's, a, he's not a dude. He's not a guy who's going to start for you. He's not a guy... I don't even know if it's a guy who's going to play for you. Maybe he plays for Roy Williams, but given the way Hubert's played with his rotation, I don't even know if that's a guy who plays. Certainly not an NIL type of guy. You will know who the NIL types of players are. Carolina needs to figure that out if they hope to compete. On Twitter, at WSJS Radio, if you want in on today's show. Since we're talking Tar Heels, once again, we are... Sending our thoughts out to a great friend of this show and somebody who's been very good to us over the last few years, Eric Montross, who's a legendary player. We learned he was diagnosed with cancer and just a flood of people wanting to send well wishes to Eric Montross, including Bill in High Point, who joins us now. Bill, real quickly, what do you got on the big guy inside who we've gotten to know in recent years as the long time now color analyst for Carolina basketball.
1: Well, Josh, thanks for taking the call, and I, uh, yeah, I watched Eric Montrose grow as a player, then I've watched him grow as a, col- a color commentator. He's one of my most favorites right now, and, and I don't, I think he does, uh, you know, the games and all so well, and, and I just want to you know send out my family's prayers and best wishes. his family and and hope this thing gets as Barney Fife would say nipped in the bud
2: see I'm all about it thank you for the call well wishes to Montrose and a Barney Fife reference I'm all about that I wish most of the feelings I get from Carolina fans right now are as well meaning and as positive as Bill and high points getting the show started off the right way Will Dalton is the executive producer of this show Taking your calls at 336 777 1600 on Twitter at WSJS Radio is where we're also streaming worldwide on, you know, video streaming, YouTube, Twitch. I sound like such an old man the way I'm describing video streaming. It's moving pictures. You can see us. Hey, you can see my face. Yeah, it's amazing what the whippersnappers do when they watch their games and stuff now. Taylor Vipolis is going to join us from inside Carolina. You might know him as uh, a part of the Dan Lebetard show as well. That'll be in about 20 minutes or so. But shifting things a bit, Frank Reich spoke to the media today out at the NFL head coaches' meetings. And listening to how glowingly he spoke about the Panthers' newest weapon, DJ Chark, it struck me that he believes at DJ's best. This DJ can be as productive as another DJ. The DJ that they sent to Chicago in order to get the number one pick. This coaching staff has a lot of familiarity with DJ Chark. Frank Reich coached in Indianapolis. So the first few years that DJ was in the league, well, he played Indianapolis multiple times a year when he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars. How did he do against Frank Reich? Well, when he was healthy... DJ averaged five catches per game against Indy and a touchdown per game against Indianapolis. Deuce Staley, who Reich said today, was a central part of trying to convince DJ to join the Panthers. He was in Detroit with DJ this past season. So they have firsthand knowledge on the type of guy that they're getting. Here was Frank Reich at the Coaches meetings in Arizona.
3: Listen, I was—I dunno make no mistake about it. I really wanted DJ. A lot of us did. Um, I've had my eye on him for a couple years now. I think DJ is a down-the-field threat. I think he's a very competitive, uh, hard-working player. Um, from all the intel that we've gathered, and if you look at his career, even though there's been some injuries along the way, um, he's consistently producing over 14 yards a catch.
2: You might be thinking, that's true, by the way. 14 yards a catch over a pretty decent sample. That, only the elite wide receivers really do that. But what's the catch? How do you get this guy on a one-year deal? It's not just because Frank Reich is awesome, and it's not like they're paying him a ton. It's only a one-year deal. The big knock is what Reich kind of mentioned in the middle of that. He's struggled to stay on the field. He hasn't played 16 games. In his five seasons. 16 or 17. In fact, over the last two years, he's missed more than half the games that the Jaguars and Lions have played. But, to Reich's point, when Shark does play, good things happen. The one season he played 15 games, he grabbed 70 balls, which is more than DJ caught in 17 last year. He averages 14 yards a catch. That's no joke. And some of the stuff he's been dealing with is an ankle injury, ankle stuff. He had surgery apparently back in January, according to Mike Kay's reporting, who's out in Arizona from the Charlotte Observer. And they're hoping that is no longer a problem anymore the ankle uh, problems he's had in the past. If you can get him on the field, you might have a one for one replacement for DJ Moore even though we recognize that is a pretty big if. Carolina, they've now gotten to a point, and this was a goal for Scott Fitterer, that they don't need to take anybody with that second-round pick. There's not such a glaring need in one given spot that they have to go. Like If you would have told me before DJ Chark that was the case, I'd say, well, hey, you got to take a receiver with that second-round pick. Now you could if the right guy's there, but you also could go defensive end, lining up across from Brian Burns. You also could find a linebacker there. You, There's a lot of flexibility. You could go tight end with that pick. There's flexibility. You could, If there's a running back that you really like, I wouldn't even be against that as a second-round pick. They could take a receiver there, but they don't have to, which is exactly where they wanted to be.
0: You're on the drive with Josh Graham. WSJ.
2: For the first time since the Pro Days last week, Frank Reich spoke to the media out in Arizona. You'll hear that in just a little bit. And with that in mind, we welcome Taylor Vipolis to the show that you might know from the Dan Lebatard show or as an inside Carolina Tar Heeled insider. And the reason I was thinking about you today is you have these videos that I've seen in recent weeks with Levitard called hashtag who that is, <laughs> and you did DJ more today, and the guys seemed to struggle with it. So I'll put this on a T with that in mind to ask you. Out of the smart people you talk to, looking at what the Panthers have in front of them at number one, including yourself, I'll qualify you as being one of those smart people, what's your lean on what the Panthers do? Not what they should do, what they actually do at number one.
4: My lean and my gut from from talking to people is that the Panthers go C.J. Stroud. I thought he, he looked pro-ready in the playoffs against Georgia, which is, if you look pro-ready against Georgia, that's the closest we're going to see to the pro level in college. I think in that game specifically, he showed enough to me to still be that, that dual threat ability and in comparison to young, he he does it in a lot bigger of a body. And when you're picking one and as the Panthers are, and they traded up and and traded away assets to get it. And you have your franchise's future in the balance of a pick, which is a scary thing to have Bryce young being five foot 10, being listed at five foot 10 is enough to, to scare me off. But I think it's it's a good problem to have picking between Bryce Young and, and CJ Stroud and the the team I would love to be because I think the Panthers have a lot of pressure on them I would love to be the Houston Texans oh, yeah. because I I want that pressure off me whoever you don't take is coming to me
2: and you're also last week I said it's the it's the difference between a scholarship grant kid and the the person that has the rich dad, the trust fund baby, where the Panthers give up the draft pick, which means they have absolutely no room for error. If they get in trouble with the school, they're probably you know, done and working at a convenience store the following semester, right? While the trust fund baby, if they mess up, oh, daddy will just talk to the principal and figure it all out. The Texans didn't have to give up anything for that pick. And to your point, a lot less pressure as well. Taylor Vipolis is with us here on WSJS. Getting to the Carolina piece of it. I always love the expression, mutual parting of ways. Like... Uh, in relationships, is there such a thing really as mutual parting of ways or I think as Gwen, Gwyneth Paltrow put it, conscious uncoupling I think is the word she put it, it always has to be someone's idea first. You, There could be reasons for both sides to part ways, but... In Carolina's case, Jeff Goodman's reporting it was a mutual parting of ways. The people I text, they say the same thing as well, and you're incredibly plugged in with your ties to Carolina. Do you believe Caleb Love's exit from Chapel Hill was actually a mutual agreement here?
4: This this might be the most mutual of parting of ways, I think, in, in the history of, of parting of ways, because Caleb Love, I think, had gotten to the point where for him, he needs a fresh start and for Carolina and the expectations that coach Davis has the direction of the team. It was hard to see how Caleb kind of fit into that picture. Um, But me personally, like I I hope Caleb goes on to have a a ton of success at at his next school, because I, I truly believe that he is a, He's a misunderstood player because I went to the I followed the team during the tournament run last year. I did a feature on Caleb Love and kind of his upbringing. And I think the most obvious thing from talking to the people around him is that Caleb Love grew up only learning how to play basketball one way. And that was wanting to be the guy who takes the shot. And you saw how awesome that was in the highs of the high where he puts the final dagger in Coach K's career. The best game I've ever seen from a player in person, the the UCLA game in the Sweet 16. But at the same time, you saw the lows where this Carolina team misses the tournament completely. And the problem with Caleb Love is he's their highest usage rate guy. He's already an inefficient player. And you're surrounding him with pieces that didn't, Bring out the best of him. You're you're surrounding him with non-shooters and kind of clogging up those those driving lanes. So I think it was a a Carolina trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole for three years of of Caleb Love's tenure. Um, but at the same time, his work and wanting to be the guy who always takes the shot like that ha- that earned him a, a ton of respect. I think. And my hope for Carolina fans is that. They remember him in a good light, and for for that tournament run that I think you're seeing now, where where no one seed goes to be Elite eight for for the first time in, in quite some time how hard it is to to make a tournament run and I think that kind of gets taken for granted at times
2: yeah that last piece that you mentioned is what interests me and I give my producer Will Dalton credit because sometimes he'll pinpoint something that I hadn't thought of like we, last segment perfect example we were talking about the NFL jersey stuff and he said does that mean JC Horn's gonna stop faking wearing the number zero by putting the tape in between the eight he wore essentially zero last year and then yesterday he asked the question of all questions. When are we gonna see Caleb Love on the Amatar Heel video? I, I, I don't know. And see, with Inside Inside Carolina does one thing very incredibly well, do a lot of things really well, but one thing I think they do incredibly well is they have the pulse of the fan base, an accurate pulse. I don't think social media is a great pulse of things. I mean I I compare the guy to Austin Rivers yesterday, which I think is a compliment. I mean, the guy's a lottery pick, first-round draft pick. And you would have thought I compared him to, I mean, you pick a garbage player, and that's exactly who I compared him to. Oh, he's like Jaden Shoot at Duke. Okay, let's calm down for a second. Um, Vip, you see the reaction from Carolina fans, and it's a little bit deeper, and there's a lot more that I think you have access to with the apparatus at inside Carolina. What's the fairest way to assess how Carolina fans view Caleb?
4: He is the most polarizing player I think in in Carolina basketball history. I'm trying to think of who who number 2 would be, but you have a, a portion of the fan base that loves him, you have a portion of the fan base that hates him. And I think it it's it's been it's been drastically understated how much he took on social media from the fan base. When I talked to his dad last year, he was like, Caleb's a a 20 year old kid. He he sees everything and he's reading the messages, no matter how many times you tell him not to like, he's seeing it. And I think there, there there's a difference between telling people they're not a fit or they're not an efficient player. Like you're, you're criticizing the basketball player but when it gets to the fans who and I, it's not a carolina fan thing i think it's just a, a fan thing in general when you get to the you're a cancer or you're you're spreading the rumors about you know things off the court i think that's when it kind of goes to a level that it's it's just there's really no place for that
2: he's on twitter at t Vipolis. you know him from inside carolina and the dan Levitard show joining us on wsjs okay so figuring out what Happens beyond, you know, Caleb Love. You know, they have to go into the portal to figure things out, and you've got five spots remaining. How much faith do you have in Hubert now, really, for the first time, having the opportunity to build a roster? The same four starters that he's had the last two years are the four guys that Roy Williams had a couple of years ago. Being able to identify guys out of the portal and also get a handle on NIL, which former players are saying was a problem, and even Hubert during the season last year constantly is bringing up agents.
4: If I'm being honest, not that much faith because you have a track record where players are already transferring out that he had just recruited, which is a worrying sign for for the evaluation and the development process, and then you look at the transfers that Carolina has brought in Dawson Garcia was a miss, uh, from, from on the court, off the court was a miss. You have, uh, Justin McCoy, who's already transferred another miss Pete Nance. You probably put in the miss category just because North Carolina misses the tournament this year. And then you have Brady Manick, who was, was a, an average player. And then Garcia leaves and he elevates into uh, Carolina you know he this tier of Carolina where um, Brady manic's name now is synonymous with with a, a level of greatness and, and a level that Carolina wants to get back to so you're you're 25 percent on the portal Caleb uh, loves
2: three-point shooting percentage <laughs> sorry I it was sitting right there
4: had to do you have a 25 fr- percent from the portal you have players that Coach Davis has already recruited, transferring out, and it, it's hard to feel, you know, too optimistic. But I think the what you can hang your hat on is that 2024 recruiting class being the number one in the country. And it feels like the way Carolina is going to have to get out of this problem is to just recruit their way out of it. And the you mentioned the, the piece with Antoine and Vince where they're talking about the pickup and for me that's that story i don't think you could talk about enough because that that should send off a ton of alarms for for how bad the the leadership was for the basketball team this for this past season
2: so help me and out I, on that front for people who don't know the story it's it's uh, antoine jameson and it's vince carter saying that antoine went to shoot around last year or not shoot-around, he went to a pickup session during the yeah. summer last year, and then he said, so you guys are going to play tomorrow, and the players told him, nah, we'll, we're scheduled to go next week. When I texted former players about this, they said, well, Hubert, or at least when I was playing, coaches are restricted in what they can do outside of, air quote, practice sessions, and that the pickup is then just organized by the players. What, are, what reaction have you gotten to that story relative to, well, how much is Hubert Davis responsible for, and how much is on the players?
4: Yeah, this this isn't this isn't on Hubert Davis. The pickup, from from what I understand, is is all on the players and and the players wanting to be out there. The the coaches might say like, hey, this is the day. Former, we're gonna ha- we're gonna make sure former players are there to have you guys have a, a good run of games. But it, from the sounds of it, the the players are there all the time and when you have a player like Antoine Jameson looking to, you know, either watch the team play pickup or get in the pickup games. I, I don't know if Antoine, did he clarify if he was playing in the game? Yeah, I
2: think he said his sons were with him yeah. and they were the ones playing.
4: Yeah. So just the fact that the players don't have that mindset of let, let's get as many games as possible during this tournament run for, for the, audience that is listening to this. I'm wearing uh, my Marquise Noel shirt and I fell in love with this Kansas state team and Jerome Tang and Jerome Tang said it best. I thought in one of his post games after Duke, where it was like, we won that game because we have dudes like Carolina to get out of this. (laughs) They're going to need to recruit dudes and they're going to need to recruit people that love, love basketball and not just love the perks of what comes with basketball
2: i thought that's what that was with the lavender on the way out i the, the most heartbreaking thing that happened to me in march aside from my bracket being toasted all my final four teams gone in the first three days of the tournament uh was being in the k-state locker room and seeing those guys and the music and all that they were great to be around but i i commented the first time they whipped out the uh the, the practice day they whipped out the uh the jumpsuits, the jumpsuits, and uh, the 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 warm up stuff that they had that was the lavender color, and I thought that was sweet. And I pointed out to one of them, and they said, "What size do you wear?" And I told them uh, large, and they said, "We don't have any more larges." Uh, oh, heartbreaking. I, I, I love,
4: I love that Kansas State team. Oh, they're so they, good. T- this shirt just came today. Oh,
2: it looks yeah. good. It looks J- good.
4: Just in time.
2: Vip? We'll have to do this again, man. Thanks for coming on with us and keep up the great work with uh, Tar Heels, Dan Levitard, and all the stuff that you do.
4: Appreciate it, always.
0: <laughs> it's The Drive with Josh Graham WSJS
2: I thought the introduction to the Josh's out-of-his-mind segment featuring John Calipari was a win last week, but it's a work in progress. As you often see with new segments, we're trying to figure things out, do something a little bit different right until we hit the sweet spot. It'll take some time before we get there. The crux of the segment, though, needs to be hot fire takes because... I often get that label attached to me. Oh, you're a hot take artist. Oh, you're just looking for clickbait. By the way, never do the clickbait thing unless there's an actual link for people to click on.
3: That's true. Kind of
2: <laughs> Oh, you just needed your clicks today, huh? Where are, where's the link to click on? Oh, you mean it's just an opinion that you dislike. Got it. So I get that attached to me so often. And I don't feel like that's what we do, but I feel like there's an audience for that. So, for that portion of the audience, this segment is for you. Hot Take Central Josh is out of his mind.
0: <laughs> Josh is out of his mind. Crazy fool. Just tell him stories. He's out of his f-ing mind. <laughs>
2: Here's the wrinkle I want to add. It can't just be takes from me for the next five, ten minutes. I want to get WD involved in this. (laughs) And somehow, we need to get the audience involved in this too. But, Josh, I thought the purpose of this segment was, the creation of it was John Calipari said your name when he was actually talking about Josh Pastner. He didn't say WD. Well, actually... I don't think you heard the full clip because we actually did have Cal mentioning WD's name, which means we have the drop where WD can be in the mix. WD, deliver a take real quickly so we can unroll, unfurl this new piece of sound. The Carolina Panthers will draft Anthony Richardson. WD is out of his mind. You didn't know, Coach Cal had dropped wd's name did you
3: hey i was in greensboro
2: too that's right i was right up in there all right explain the anthony richardson pick it's
3: there's so many panthers people that are making this out to be cam newton 2.0 you got thomas davis you got luke keekley who was gushing over him and then frank reich earlier today was talking about how he's Literally, quote, he screams top of the draft type of guy, even watching his tape before the Pro Days and before the Combine. And honestly, you hear a lot of people talking about how, like, his tools have the potential to be the best of anybody in the draft, any of them. Now, why else would they bring in the Avengers coaching staff but to
2: coach up that guy? That is a pretty... Thing? Hot take you got there, WD.
0: W-D. is out of his mind.
2: I'll raise you a Panthers take. You mentioned who the Panthers are going to take in round one. I'll tell you who they're going to take in round two. They're going to draft North Carolina wide receiver Josh Downs.
0: Josh yeah. is out of
2: his mind. Look at the guys they've picked up so far. DJ Chark, Miles Sanders, Hayden Hurst. Who's the receiver I'm forgetting about? Adam Thielen. Thielen. All receivers that play well in space. That's what Josh Downs does incredibly well too. Carolina. Might take him with that second round pick, or they might trade back, gain some more draft picks, take him towards the end of the second round. Got a pair, Anthony Richardson, or some people call him AR-15. There you go. With one Josh Downs. Give me another take.
3: Hmm, let's switch it over to Tar Heel Basketball. Sure, or I guess. I guess former Tar Heel Basketball. Caleb Love, he's gonna go to Louisville. WD is out of his
0: mind.
2: Oh boy. The- I do think that Nolan Smith was his recruiter at Duke and he wanted to go to Duke, but Jeremy Roach was already signed and couldn't go to Duke. Depending on how strong that relationship is, if he wants to stay in the ACC too, that wouldn't it be a bad place for him. Well, not only that. They'll let him do all the shooting. But of the six teams he
3: narrowed it down to coming out of high school, Louisville was one of them. They do need to make a splash after this last year. They do need a high-quality guard. I guess he can be high-quality sometimes.
2: Oh, man. It looks like L. Ellis is coming back too. Ah. That would be a mess. Ellis in love. That'll be a mess of a backcourt. No, he 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 declared for the draft. Good. Don't even want to imagine L. Ellis and Caleb mm-hmm. Love trying to coexist in that backcourt. That would be crazy. Let's go to movies. Emma Stone is this generation's Julia Roberts. Josh
0: is out of his mind.
2: The running joke in the 90s was always, oh, there's this great part. Somebody get Julia Roberts on the phone. She was the actress you'd always just plug into every role. I think that's who Emma Stone is. Nobody in America was more lovable as an actress. Sandra Bullock would be in the conversation of this, but I think Julia Roberts takes top top of the uh, of the mantle, um, top step here, uh, likability. And Emma Stone, every role she's in, likable. How many of these movies have you seen, W.D.? Do you know who Emma Stone is?
3: Yeah, she was. Uh- Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man. That's right. right. Okay, I I was starting to question I she, myself. I thought she
2: was Mary Jane. She no, wasn't?
3: Gwen Stacy.
2: Who was Mary Jane in that Spider-Man then?
3: I don't think there was. Oh, I forget what her name is.
2: Figure that one out. Cuz I thought Emma Stone might have played that role. I did a Emma Stone double feature on Saturday and watched Easy A and then I watched La La Land and I love both of those movies and She's likable in everything she does, and she's never had a scandal. I don't really know what Emma Stone thinks about every subject under the sun, which is a plus. Uh, She kind of minds her own business and doesn't really get in trouble at all either. I haven't heard many people say negative things about Emma Stone, so I'll go as far to say Emma Stone, this generation's Julia Roberts. Shailene Woodley? Oh, okay. I haven't seen that Spider-Man. Yeah. You got one more for me? I do.
3: Let's go back to The Bachelor because this is a theory I have here that I didn't get off my chest.
2: Yeah, Katie ended up winning over Gabby, who Zach slept with. There was some real drama in the finale last night. You know, they never addressed the fact that
3: Gabby got kind of drunk, went through the mud a little bit because of Zach. Drugged through the mud because of Zach. They never addressed that. But I feel like behind closed doors, it will be addressed. And we did talk about Katie having the crazy eyes. Also friends with Gabby. That. And Zach's just a doofus and doesn't, again, know when to shut up. I'm going to say they break up within a year. Or in a year, they're going to break up.
0: WD. Is out of his mind. I don't even think it's that uh, hot of a take. Uh,
2: I think it should be hotter than that for it to be six months out of your mind. Like,
0: WD. Is out of his mind.
2: I don't know if that's a hot take. Six months? I don't know if they're going to last six months. Yeah. I'd be surprised if they last six months for all the reasons that you just outlined. All right, let's close things out. I might be biased, but small dogs are the best kinds of dogs. Josh is out of his mind. They can just sit on your lap. Their bathroom situation is a lot less of a situation. That's great. Less maintenance. I love my Willow. Except... This morning, I was doing a radio interview as a guest, and I had just gotten out of the shower. Sorry to present that picture yes, for you. thank you. Sorry about that. Zach. But it's relevant to the story here in the sense of uh, I'm on the phone, and Willow decides this is the moment that she wants to play. <laughs> she wants to play. So I get down to her level wanting her to calm down, so I start scratching her head as I'm answering a question about Caleb Love. Mm. And halfway through the answer, this is the part where me getting out of the shower is relevant. She jumps to an unfortunate area of the male anatomy, scratching Aww. and clawing and stuff while I'm on the ground. Held it together for the interview, but man, that was tough.
3: Would you have known if you were listening to that interview, like no. something was going on in the no background? No chance. Like you didn't go? I, uh.
2: No. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> How I handled that. But even with that being the case, small dogs are, in fact, the best kinds of dogs.
0: Josh is out of his mind.
2: I like this added wrinkle. The next step is getting the audience involved, but there's no chance that John Calipari has said the names of the audience at all the way that he said my name and said WD's name.
3: Mellow Mushroom. He did shout out Mellow Mushroom. though. He did. Still waiting for that sponsorship.
2: Mellow Mushroom.
3: Come on. Mellow Mushroom.
0: The Drive with Josh Graham, only on WSJS.
2: At some point between now and the end of the show, your chance to win Eric Church tickets before you even have the ability to buy the tickets. He will be in Charlotte in September, along with Whiskey Myers. We'll tell you when you can win those tickets later on. We'll tell you what your cue is. We'll play a Eric Church-themed Skipser plays with Hayes in just a second, and that's because Hayes Permar is joining us now. And it might be because we have, pardon the interruption, often on in the studio when we're doing the show or because Hayes Permar's long-winded usually, but I feel like we should do a handful of topics here, not like rapid-fire answer in five to ten seconds, but quicker answers here so we can get to as many topics as possible. Does that sound good, Hayes Permar and his dog that he's clearly walking?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, Jeff Graham just took like two minutes asking that question, but I'm long-winded. All right, whatever, I'll keep it short. Yeah, let's go. <laughs>
2: Who do you want the Panthers to take at number
1: one? Uh, head says Stroud, heart says Richardson. Actually, Whoa! My, my my gut says trade it for Lamar Jackson though. Well, they would have to make the money work.
2: Yeah, so you want Lamar Jackson to be the guy? Okay. Are you glad that Caleb Love is transferred?
1: Am I glad? I yeah. mean on what level? Like if I'm a UNC fan, do I think our team has a better chance of progressing next year without him? Maybe that's the only sense where I see the positive to him transferring. Other than uh, if he's unhappy and thinks he'll be happy or better suit his career, then I'm, you know, that 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 makes me happy too. That's sort of the purpose of the transfer portal just like coaches, players can now pursue the place they think will have the greatest success. But like, nah, none of it feels good, right? To to I mean, I know he took a lot of shots. I know he had a bad shooting percentage, but to do the things he did and then on top of that, come back and average like 15 points a game on a team that wasn't terrible. They weren't great, held up against their expectations. They weren't even good, but they definitely were not terrible. So it's a just, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth situation. So I won't say I'm happy he's gone, but I hope for the best of success for him. And yeah, I think there's a decent chance the Tar Heels progressed better on the court without him touching and dribbling the ball and shooting the ball as much as he does.
2: Follow-up to that. Taylor Vipolis joined us earlier. He called Caleb Love perhaps the most polarizing Carolina player ever among the fan base. In 10 years or a dozen years or so from now, when fans remember Caleb Love, is it more likely going to be remembered like Jason Capel is remembered as like the best player on a bad team that also happened a few years before that to go to the final four or to be remembered like Austin Rivers is by Duke fans even though you lost to Lehigh and Greensboro you hit the shot that matters most
1: I think we'll mostly remember his highlights um you know the shot is uh I mean it's a picture when, in these days where anything could be a video or a gif if your moment if your sports moment, creates an iconic picture that's pretty uh that's pretty tough to beat and that is etched in people's memory so i think that far away will be what people remember that and the whole the whole run and his whole play there
2: the carolina hurricanes close a gauntlet tonight a five-game gauntlet as we're getting close to the end of the regular season playing the rangers twice home and home facing the boston bruins a shootout loss the other night while they were wearing the jerseys of the total totally fictional hartford whalers franchise which was Pretty cool, really nice of them to do that. And um, they have the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight. I also remember that they played the Toronto Maple Leafs recently, too. They've split the games two and two. Now, I know they got a point against Boston, so we'll see what happens tonight against Tampa. Can the Canes win the Stanley Cup without Andres Uh
1: Yes, if they get really good goaltending. And that's what I think is, is more of a problem. If you think about it like this, they're, they're going to have a decade run. Would they make the playoffs? Almost certainly. Like it'd be hard to see them missing the playoffs in the next two or three years with the quarter they have, right? So they're gonna have a decade run of going to the playoffs. And if you do that, there's a decent chance you win a cup, and there's a really good chance that the year you win the cup isn't necessarily the year you had the best team. You know what I mean? Like the whole point is you put yourself in there every year and the chances are the breaks go your way. So they could very easily win a cup in a year where they aren't the best canes of the run. You know what I mean? And uh, and so then it, that's what it comes down to little little things like a goalie getting hot as nails. Is it hot as nails? I don't think you can get hot as nails. No, I think not I just, hot uh, as nails. Made up a new president. No, you get uh, get very hot. I think I was about to say something that I wasn't sure I could say as radio. Yeah, I slipped in nails there at the last second just to censor myself. Um, but yeah, so I think they could win it. I mean, they're not the. Obviously, they're, they're more of a favorite if Svetch is playing, but I think they can win it, and it might come down to uh, Kachekov or some, either Kachekov getting hot or Freddie Anderson staying super healthy and being really good for a sustained period in the playoffs.
2: Hey, Spermar is walking his dog from Sports Channel 8. Hey, uh, I got a puppy in the past week. What's cuter, puppy picks or baby picks? Or maybe a better question, what's more obnoxious, puppy picks or baby
1: picks? Um, I think people tend to go even more overboard with their baby pics. I got I got a friend on Facebook. They're not in your listening area, fortunately. And I'm like, dude, I am super happy and super excited about your baby, but this is just too much. Um, and puppy pics are cuter because you know what? I'm going to be honest. Some babies are ugly. Every baby is like the most beautiful thing ever to like its parents, right? You, you got mean, to I see mean, the baby. But yeah, there's some there's some not cute babies out there. Uh, and uh, there's not there's not really ugly puppies, there's that, cuter puppies and less cute, but they're all cute.
2: Joke's on you with our growing following on social media with video and live streaming right now. There's no doubt that that person you're talking to is listening <laughs>
1: to you right now, offended <laughs> by, by what you're talking it's about. Possible. The baby's uh aunt is a Wake Forest grad, that's the closest oh time, but, like the baby's mom. I mean, there's there's yeah, no doubt that happening. she's a fan
2: of the show. There's no doubt. Anyway, Wait minute, I didn't,
1: hold on. When, when, what about this news that you got a puppy? Are we just blowing right through that? Yeah, a
2: week ago. Her name's Willow. Willow the dog.
1: All right, well, you're doing a good job of not overposting on social media. I feel like I tried to do that, especially when they were, like, really little. I didn't want to get accused of only getting a puppy just for the cute pictures. Now, as they grow more, I, you know, I, I put them on stories and stuff. But I think I I've I've posted them.
2: three photos in a week. That's pretty good. All right. Three photos in a week. I don't think that's uh, overpowering it at all. What kind of dog is it? It is a Havanese poodle.
1: I don't know what that is, but I do know I don't like poodles. Anything with poodles in it, I'm out on.
2: Well, Sorry, that's not, that's not that. very nice let's get to skips for plays with hayes
0: hayes permar is somewhat of a renaissance man an expert in the finer things but he hangs his hat on music loves his god and he's the friend of satan he was like oh six getting busy with a sticks been watching big mike and little trick i just need a zion and someone he can dunk on today hayes will decide if this music is smash or trash glows or blows it's time for skips or plays with Hayes. Are you
2: in on Eric Church's music, Hayes?
1: Uh, you know, I'm really not. I um, I've heard him, and I'm gonna have to hear a couple of his songs. This is like bad for. Him. I have nothing against the guy, but I don't think I don't think I like his voice that much. I'm not to be reminded if it, if it is what I think it is, but I don't think I like his. I don't like his. I want to say I don't like his tone. That sounds like I don't like his attitude, but. I'm not. I'm not a huge Eric Church fan, but I'm open-minded. I'm yeah, open-minded,
2: this it might you might come around on some of this. Didn't I send you some of the bluegrass from a few weeks ago? I don't. I never got a response on that. But anyway, Merlefest, that's right around the corner too. We'll be giving away Merle Fest tickets sometime soon. Get back. Getting back to bluegrass. What's the first Eric Church song you have for for the uh, for Hayes Permar? Remember Eric Church a a. Uh, uh, Granite Falls native here in North Carolina on the western part of the state. Springsteen. And
3: to this day when I hear that song I see you standing there on that lawn Discount shades store-bought tain Flip floss and cut-off jeans Somewhere between that set I should throw it out
2: there that my I wife loves Eric Church. Might be your favorite country artist.
3: I was done. We're just getting started. I was saying
1: I feel like I know this chorus. I feel like this is a. Oh, yeah. Song we'll wait. We we'll know. wait
2: till we get to the chorus. Springsteen was in Greensboro over the weekend, so. Oh,
1: well, right. Speaking of which, while, we listen, while we're waiting to get to the chorus.
2: Oh, I one sec. Here's the chorus. Before, cool with cool. One okay. second. <laughs> yeah,
1: country music people love singing about ages. They love singing about ages. Um. Tim McGraw has got a song of 17. Um, all right, so, you know what? I'm going to play this. This is a play. This is a good tune. It's got a good melody. Here's the other thing I think about Eric Church. A, I don't really like his voice. It's kind of weird. It's, it's a little nasally. Um, it sounds like he's, like, pushing it a little bit. Not to get too, like, singer into this. But here's the other thing. You know, there's, like, bro country, and then there's, like, um, people who are recognized as, like, good, cool entry artists, like Jason Isbell and Sturgill Simpson right now. You know what I mean? I feel like um, Eric Church wants to be the personality of one of those people that's in, like, the cool country. Like, he thinks that's kind of where he is. But in reality, his songs are a little more bro country than than his persona would admit. And I feel like that's where I can't quite love him but i like him and i respect him so that's a play a little explanation
2: hayes per-mar. yeah i'm glad you did that because i'm getting texts from dave and winston-salem that says that springsteen's the best country song ever sarah bradford said this is my favorite eric church song so good start for I mean, hayes it's permar a,
1: it's a play but it's like all right shut up now it wouldn't make,
3: take the
2: win <laughs> it wouldn't take the, the win
1: top 500 country songs of all time take the
2: I win guess. let's go to the second one what do we got hell of a view this is It does sound like
1: he's pushing it. I wish, I'm, I'm not the best at, uh, like, I've got music theory nerds who've got better terms. You know, like people who, like, drink wine have, like, all these different adjectives to describe wine. I don't have all the adjectives to describe, the, you know, different types of a voice, but I'm just telling you, it doesn't give me. This is a Skip. I'm not feeling this. Skip.
2: Hey, it. All right, one play, one skip. What's the last Eric Church song? No, shut up, Permar. It's Skips or Plays with Hayes. Skips <laughs> I'll be, or Plays. Are
1: you sure Eric Church is a real name? You told me this is not a made up country name, Eric Church. I don't know if I buy this. I'm going to see the birth certificate. Here. I will
2: double check on Wikipedia as we hear the third song, which is titled Drinking My Hand. <laughs> Kenneth Eric Church, born May
1: third, nineteen seventy-seven. I don't know. He, he seems like a guy who could get his Wikipedia, uh, you know, changed to fit it. Um, this is a this is a skip. This is what I was telling you. He seems like he's a cool dude, but this is a bro country song. Work all day, drinking my hand. First of all, Eric Church has never had a job where he worked all day, and he, and he referred to the boss as boss man. Like that just that didn't happen. And, you know, like, I, I, I'm out. i out. That's a skip. And I like Eric Church, the person, but I'm not a huge fan of his music. Skip. Hey, man.
2: Yeah. Also, huge Carolina fan that went to Appalachian State and doesn't even rep App hey. State football that much.
1: Yeah, that, that kind of doesn't sit well with me either.
2: <laughs> Hayes, thanks for doing this, buddy. We'll have to do Bluegrass sometime soon when we give away Merlefest tickets.
1: Or what about uh, we could do J Cole because I'm going to Dreamville this weekend and seeing my Whoa! boy Drake. Oh.
3: I like that. Yeah, that's
2: right. That's pretty good. You got an extra ticket for me?
1: Uh, I do not, unless my niece says she doesn't want to go. But here's the real question: Is like, will Permar end up on stage? You know, will I do a cameo with Drake and, and J Cole? I'm, I'm now, not. It's, it's at Dicks Park. I mean, this is my hood. I mean, the dog park that I normally go to is right next to where the stage is. I was watching them build it for like two weeks. I think I might be able to pull it off. We'll see if I can get on stage. All debate. right.
2: I'm not doubting you. There he goes. Hayes Permar. If I do, I'll give you a shout-out. Shout-out to my man Josh Graham with a triad. No chance. He's going to do that. All right. There he goes.